How are you doing this morning? You doing okay? Yes, I got a woo in there, yeah. We should be excited. It's good to be here. Um, I am so glad that you are all here. I'm going to set this down here just for a few minutes. Um, I have to say, it was a lot harder to be up here than I thought, and I have a lot more sympathy for all the torture I've put the parents through over the, the years in past. Um, yeah, there's some laughing down there. You know, you've been through it. Yeah, paybacks are tough, aren't they? Yeah. Um, but it was a huge honor to be able to do that. And man, it's even harder to believe how fast 18 years can go by. Uh, for the past 14 of those years, we've had the privilege of packing our son a lunch. Uh, just a couple weeks ago, uh, Michelle and I had a moment where we realized we were just about to pack his last lunch for school, his school career. It's both like joy and kind of weird. In full confession, we're overly sentimental as a family, so we make a moment just about anything. It's like, oh, it's your first spoonful of food. Yeah, whatever. whatever. We just make everything as a moment for us at our house. But uh, we had kind of a moment realizing, oh my goodness, like all, all the things that we've packed in his days, all the times that we've sent him off to school, wondering, God, would you show up in his life? Would you help him recognize your presence with him? Would you meet him where he's at? Uh, we're kind of found as we would pack his lunch and pray for his day. Um, and, and to trust that God would show up in the midst of those moments. Um, but it got me thinking about um, uh, what God has given us uh, in, in our day. And so we're going to talk about that in just a me- minute. But um, I have to, I have to uh, let you know that I'm, I tend to be kind of food-oriented, not going to lie, case in point. Um, um, but um, I wish I was more spiritual. I wish I could look forward to um, more things uh, in the day. But sometimes lunch and lunchtime is one of the things I look forward to the most in the day. Does anyone else, can anyone relate to lunch? Um, like, like I, I know, like if I know I have a good lunch coming, if I know that it's on its way, like I know I can get through any kind of morning. Like sometimes I wake up thinking, what's for lunch? I don't know if anyone else is like that, but I love me a good lunch. And, and, and full confession, like it's, I wish, I, again, I'm, I'm not gonna lie, I wish I was more spiritual, but I get home after a full day of working for a church, mind you, where I'm trying to do the holy work of the Lord here all the time. And I get home and my wife asks me, how was your day? And I'll say, man, my lunch was great. I know, sorry, not proud of it. I'm not proud of it. I'm just getting this off my chest. It feels good. Um, Did you build the kingdom today? I don't know, but my sandwich tasted terrific. Uh, Did anyone uh, get cared for? Did you comfort anybody? You know, I'm not sure, but do you know what's kind of funny? is how leftovers can sometimes taste better the second day than they do the first day. Um, But real fast, as we get ready to talk about the kind of lunch, the kind of midday support that God has given us, turn to the person that you came with, um, and we've got some young people with us as well, but turn to the person that you're around and say, what what was your favorite item in your lunchbox growing up as a kid? What was the one thing that you always looked forward to? And the controversy, on the other side, maybe it was the one thing that you're like, man, I I, I never liked this. I always traded it. If you haven't yet, um, what is the one thing you just did not want in your lunch? It came in, you're like, oh, this was packed again. Bologna sandwich with mustard and pickles. That was a real story for me. Bologna, mustard, and pickle. That was, that was a thing. Um, yeah, what was that one thing you're like, I didn't like it? You can go ahead and share that. Well, this morning, uh, we'd like to unpack a little bit of what God has packed in our day. Um, I hope that this morning is an encouragement to each of us as we think about living our values as a church. For the past few weeks, we've been uncovering the, the values, what's underneath the hood of us as a church, as an organization, what we want to be a part of, and it's something that we all have to own together. But if, if you're like me, sometimes these things both excite me and they also overwhelm me. We want to be a mission-driven church. We want to be a place where God has placed us here that when each of us do our part, families are strengthened, our community is blessed. Uh, We grow in Christ together. We want to be a place that's on mission together. And I look at that and say, who am I to contribute to these things? Who am I to be able to add? My life is busy and as crazy enough as it is. I don't even know how to add this idea of being a part of church to light. And showing up on Sunday, I am excited. That was a win for me. But there's so much more that God has for us and he wants us to experience in the day. And I hope this morning is an encouragement to you uh, as we look through and kind of unpack some of the stuff that uh, is given to us each day. I mean, think about it. In a very simple way, when we pack our lunch for our kids, we think through, like, what is, what's going to give them joy? What's going to make them nourished? 
What's going to make them feel good? Uh, what's, what's something that's going to help them to get through the day and feel like satisfied? Like, especially for some of our kids, like my son has got an appetite, like, and it's all protein. Um, and so like, what's going to get him through the day so he's not distracted and he can focus on the work that's in front of him? I think in a similar way, God has given us resources every day to get us through the day, to keep us focused, to give us the energy we need to be all that God has intended us to be in the moments that he's placed you. Your day is, is full of lots of distractions, lots of busyness, and all those things are good. And actually, all those things can actually be spiritual if we can just stop, slow down, and say, okay, God, what is it you're calling me to do right now? How do you want me to honor you with these tasks? And what resources have you provided me to get you through the day? And in a, in a very real way, God has packed in you a lunch of sorts. And we want we a, a couple of our students and myself would like to just kind of unpack that. And I hope, again, that we leave encouraged. One of my favorite, absolute favorite passages of Scripture is found in 2 Peter 1, 3. It'll be on the screen. We're going to be putting a lot of pictures on the screen, a lot of verses on the screen. So if you've got phones and you want to remember stuff with you, encourage you, hold up your phone, take a picture of it, remember it for later, find us online. If you're watching us online, take a screenshot. Um, be a part of that with us. But let's, let's hold these things together. But 2 Peter 1.3 says this. By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We've received all of this by coming to know him, the one who has called us by, him, by himself, to himself, by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. <clears throat> that is a packed verse. By whose divine power? God's divine power. God's divine power, the God that created the universe, the God that spoke and light was created, the God that formed you and me, the God that's intimately acquainted with the smallest nanoparticle that we're still learning how to discover, and the vast space of the universe. That God, his divine power, is the one who's given you, you personally. This is a personal verse. This isn't just somebody out there, but God's divine power has given you, given us, everything that we need. Not just some, not just a part of it, but everything we need for a godly life. I mean, sometimes I feel like as I, as I look to live my, Jesus, my life of following Jesus, I feel inadequate. I feel like I don't have it. But I have to be honest that if I can just get a hold of what the scripture for means for me, it, it's incredibly powerful. God has given you everything you need to live the godly life that he's calling to you. How? We've received all of this by coming to know him. Our relationship with God gives us everything that we need to live the moment he's calling us to live right now. The one who has called us to himself by means of his glory, his marvelous glory, and his excellence. So as you go through your day this week, as you live out your life this week, hold on to this promise. Right now, you have what you need. And I want to move us this morning from a sense of can't to a sense of can. Let's get rid of that apostrophe and T. It's way too many letters. Let's just simplify it. C-A-N, can't. Okay, so everyone say can. Yeah. All right, good. Were you with us? We want to move from can't to can. And when we look at this passage, we learn that God has given you everything he's called you to do through him. And so you have what it takes. If you're in this room and you find yourself with the narrative of always feeling inadequate, always feeling insecure, always feeling like you don't measure up, and even sometimes in the dogmatic sort of way of living for Jesus, we can do this and unintentionally make religion another one of those things that we just heap onto ourselves and we say that we can't. We have to stop saying that. Today, if that is you, stop saying can't and start saying can because it's in the Bible. It's what God is calling us to do and it's how he wants us to live and he's given you what you need to live a godly life. One of the beautiful things about Jesus is this picture that he offers us, I believe, is for what life is it was meant to be. When the Bible says in Philippians that Jesus emptied himself as a divinity, he says he was fully God, fully human, but he didn't consider his equality with God something to be grasped, but instead he emptied himself and he became in the likeness of a servant. When Jesus emptied himself as his divinity, <clears throat> he didn't become any less God, but what in some ways what it meant was that he never played the God card while he was here on earth. If you look through the Gospels and you look through the way that Jesus taught and talked, Jesus never took credit for his own miracles. Jesus never took credit for uh, his own work. He always said, everything I've done, I did to the glory of the Father. All the miracles I've done have been because God, my Father, has told me to. Everything that I have taught and spoken of is because God has taught and told me to speak these things. 
And then even when Jesus uh, was tempted, Jesus didn't, uh, he was tempted to sort of, in a sense, play the God card, to sort of use his divinity to his own advantage. And what did Jesus show us? He showed us that through, the, through God and the Holy Spirit and through the word, that God, he himself can resist temptation. Everything that Jesus did, he did with the resources that God sent him through the day to get through, which was his word, God's word, relationship with the Father and the Holy Spirit. And in a beautiful, beautiful way, if you think about it, Jesus becomes the perfect picture of what we could live for and achieve in our humanity, that we can actually achieve the life of Jesus. God has given us, through his divine power, everything we need to live a godly life, as we just read. And as we see in the life of Jesus, that if, if we have the same resources that Jesus did, a relationship with the Father through Jesus, if we have uh, his Holy Spirit guiding us as Jesus did, and if we have the word of God, that God has given us the resources that we need, packed in every day, to live the life that God is calling us to live. And I wanna encourage us to start believing that, start to activate it, start to live it out in your life as though it is true. Do you wake up saying like, today I could live like Jesus? Or do you look at your to-do list and say, man, I just, there's so much to do, I have no idea how I'm gonna get this done. Do you wake up waking up saying like, you know God, you've given me what I need to get through this day. How would the narrative of our day change if that was our starting point from can't to can? God, I can do this. God, you've given me what I need. God, you've called me to do it, and I can partner with you, and I can actually see it done. Now, I'm not saying that we can save the world like Jesus. There are certain things that Jesus and only Jesus could do. And I'm not saying that we go out and try to do miracles, because again, everything that Jesus said, he did from the glory and from the Father's instruction. So again, we are not ever to step outside the bounds of Scripture in these things. But in the day-to-day task, God has given you what you need to go through your struggles, through your hardships, to work on your marriage, to work on your parenting, to work through your job, to walk with integrity, to represent Jesus. It's all in you, and it's been packed in your day. Um, as we look at what was packed in our day. So let's just imagine this is what God has packed in us, right? Right here. There's so many good things in the lunch. Um, I, love, I love lunch. I'm kind of getting hungry looking at all this thing. But the first thing here is a sandwich. Um, everyone's got a, a favorite sandwich. Again, real quick, with one word or two, don't make this long, but real, what's your favorite sandwich in your lunch? If you haven't said it, what's your favorite sandwich? Tell them real quick, whisper to your neighbor. I love ham and cheese. Um, I love turkey. I just love sandwiches. They're just good. I, I go to Jersey Mike's every day like it's my job. It's awesome. Um, I love sandwiches. But <clears throat> the sandwich here for us today represents the word of God. God has given you every day. He's packed in you the word of God. And the more that you start to study and understand scripture and know the word of God in your life, the more that you can start to access it and the resources in your life. Some of us have been walking with Jesus for a long time. And you know, because you've been a part of this, you've come to church, you've, you've been doing this, you've been a part of Moraine left and right, you're like, I get it, yeah, the word of God, that's awesome. Um, but how often in a day-to-day life do we end up pulling that out in our mind and using it, actually using the word of God in the moments of our life? Jesus said, man does not live on bread alone, but on the word of God, as he quotes from the Old Testament. Man does not live on, on, on bread alone, but on the word of God. And, and are we making this the main diet of our day? We get distracted with so many things, we fuel up on so many moments, and I try so hard sometimes to even open up the Bible app and other things. Before I know it, I get a text, someone shares a TikTok, and now I'm scrolling through TikTok or Instagram for like 20 minutes, and I'm like, wow, where'd that time go? And I'm like, what just happened with my day? And also, I think I started with something spiritual. I thought I was getting to the Word of God, and before I knew it, I was just filled with culture. Taking time out of our day to actually devour, eat, and consume the Word of God is a really important thing for all of us. Do you, have, do you have it built in your day to be intentional to eat and partake of the word of God? If you don't know where to start, this is a great opportunity. Pastor Pat this summer is gonna be teaching, uh, during second hour, he's gonna be teaching about how to study scripture. If you wanna know how to like, engage with apologetics, uh, after, during second hour, we've got some people that will be talking about uh, mere Christianity together through C.S. Lewis. If you wanna join the Bereans and join the things that they're teaching in there, it is a beautiful place to get started. You don't have to start with a lot. You just need to start. And you need to just kind of be putting it in your heart and your mind daily. But God's promises, his testimony to us, his faithfulness, his character, the great cloud of witnesses that we learn about in scripture, all those things inform how we live for our day. His plan, his will, his desire for our lives. They bring clarity to the moment by moment life that we live and it gives us context for the moment of history we find ourselves in today. And it's the main course um, I love, it's also not just something to be eaten and drudged through, but as the psalmist says, that it's sweeter than honey on our lips. Have you discovered that for your life? And, and maybe like it's something that you know, but you haven't like really done a lot recently. Today, this morning is an invitation to say, this week, during our lunch, 
Open up a Bible app. Open up your Bible. Get God's word. Consume it. Think about it. Make it the main course of your heart and your mind. Second thing I think that God's put in us is water, which I desperately need right now, actually. So I'm just going to do this. Is that okay? I feel like I'm eating your lunch. I'm like the bully that says, hey, I'm taking that from you. But it's for all of us, so I don't know if that made sense. Mm. So much better. Water, living water, refreshment. Like, as I was talking, I was getting parched. But I love Jesus' invitation in 737. And he is referring to something so much bigger than this. But he says, if anyone who is thirsty may come to me and drink, anyone who believes in me may come and drink. And as scripture declares, rivers of living water will flow from his heart. Now, we just sometimes just need the refreshment of the Lord to get us through the day. And, and your days, you, you know the tired spot of your day. You know the stressed spot of your day. You know the weary time in your yearly schedule. You know when it comes. And that's the time to say, God, I need your refreshment. And to know that it's available to you in the day if you just pause and you take Jesus up on his word. Jesus has come to give you refreshment and to help you get through the day and to get through the parched time. Second thing, the third thing is this. is the power bar. Any protein lovers, any, any power bar eaters, any granola people? I could just toss it to you if you did. Um, <clears throat> another thing that God has given us is his Holy Spirit. Today is Pentecost, by the way. I don't know if you guys know, but it was a feast of Pentecost. This is the moment that we celebrate the birth of the church, the moment that God said the Spirit of God is going to descend on his believers to go and create the movement of God that would be unstoppable for the rest of the world to see his light and his glory and see things happen. And it was his Holy Spirit that he gives us to access, to give us the power we need to live out a life of godliness that God has called us to live. This is the Spirit of God that directed Jesus in the wilderness. This is the Spirit of God that descended on him like a dove. This is the same Spirit. And look at the promises that we have when we know that we have the Spirit of God with us. I love this in Romans 8, 11. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Slow down. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. I don't know anyone who's raised anyone from the dead. I just, I just don't. I haven't seen that happen. Maybe you do. Talk to me later. Crazy story. I'm sure it is. But I've never met anyone who has. And if I did, I'm sure I'd want to know where they got that power. And, and it says the same, and let alone not just have that power, but I, I bet they would never be able to live inside of me. But it says the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit living with you. You know what it means? Is that right now coursing through your veins is resurrection power. You have the, you have the power, the same power that rose Jesus from the dead is alive inside of you right now. That's, right there is just something to sit and ponder of. 1 Corinthians 2.16 says this. Um, who can know the thoughts of the Lord. For each of us, uh, for each who, <clears throat> sorry, for who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who knows enough to teach him? But we understand these things because we have the mind of Christ. In 1 Corinthians 2, Paul is talking about how God has given us his spirit to discern the things of God. And because of that, we can actually have the same mind, the same thought, the same thought process as Jesus did inside of us. So not only do we have the power that raised Jesus from the dead, we also have the same ability to think and operate in our mind and the world around us like Jesus did. We we can go from can't to can. We can overcome. We can have access to his wisdom right away. We can stop the addiction at any moment we have access to it to tap it in. Look at these promises because of the same spirit. We have access to the same mind and heart as Jesus in 1 Corinthians 2.16. We have access to the same fearless nature Jesus had in 2 Timothy 1.7. We have access to the same righteousness that Jesus had in 2 Corinthians 5.21. We have access to the same peace that Jesus had, Philippians 4.7. The same love that God has for the Son is the same love that he has for us, John 15.9. We have access to the same power over the temptation of Jesus, I mean, over the temptation that Jesus has. Hebrews 4, 14 through 16, the same power that conquered Jesus from the grave lives in us. We have the ability to do everything that God calls us to do, Philippians 4, 13, right now, right there, through the Spirit of God. It's so much more than just a power bar, but God gives us the power bar. But when, throughout your day, do you ever just stop when you feel overwhelmed and say, okay, Holy Spirit, what are you leading me to do? What if, lead me to your word. Help me have some insight here. Give me the strength I need and move through it. We need to stop saying can't and start saying can more often in our daily lives. And not just when we're victorious. 
I think we like the idea of having resurrection and power in our lives, but to be resurrected also means that we had to die, right? So God is going to get us through hardships, but it also means we're going to go through hardships. And going through our hardships doesn't mean that God is any less victorious. It's on the other side of that hardship that we discover that he actually is. And so for some of us in this room right now, we are going through hardships. We are going through hard times. We're in the middle of a loss. We're in the middle of pain. We're in the middle of heartache. We're in the middle of depression. And we are in the middle of the fog. And in the midst of it, we say, God, I thought you were victorious. Where are you in the midst of it? And right now, God is building his testimony in you as you rely on his Holy Spirit to get to the other side of this struggle, to find out and declare that these words are true. Do not give up. Keep at it. Um, this is where we can learn that we can endure, we can make it through. Jesus and his Holy Spirit will make you there. I, I, um, Thomas, I think I shared before, has gotten into powerlifting, and I've, I've learned a whole lot more about weightlifting than I ever thought I would in my lifetime, and I never thought it would come from my son, but it's pretty incredible, and I love watching it. But one of the things that we saw them do is, is they lift up weights that are just way beyond the, what their capacity, and these guys go for personal records uh, at the competitions all the time, and when they go for a personal record, they know they're about to lift a weight that they can't lift enough on their own, and there's these people around them called spotters. And those spotters, they pick up the weights and they help put the weights on the, the lifter and then the lifter goes. And then when the lifter's lifting, they shout and they cheer and they yell, come on, you can do it, lift, go, 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 go. And they just push and they give their entire might. And then if they find that the person can't lift it, the spotter comes in and takes the weight from them. And I believe that's a lot what the Holy Spirit does for us. There is something that's required of us to walk through our struggle. And God wants to show and teach us what we can do with him and with his help. And he is there to cheer us on. He is there to guide us in truth. He is there to show us who he is and point us to God, and at the moments that we find that we can't do it, he takes the weight from us. And God says we, he takes that burden from us and puts it on his shoulders. And that's a little bit of what the Holy Spirit does for us. Have you taken the, the fresh water? Have you taken the power of the Holy Spirit? Um, next thing is this, our cookies. Uh, anyone like cookies? Um, I have Oreos here. Actually, these are Chips Ahoy, uh, so they're not Oreos. So I thought I had Oreos. I grabbed them. I made the wrong slide. But so we're going to pretend these are Oreos. Um, <clears throat> but sometimes you just need a little junk food in your lunch. You know, sometimes you just need a little bit sweet. You need a little, like a little junk in moderation, obviously. But sometimes it's just good to enjoy something that you enjoy in life. And one of the things that God has given us in his life is the joy of Jesus. It is easy to focus on the tasks and the mundane and feel overwhelmed. But have you ever just tapped into the joy of Jesus? When I look at the way that he taught and the way that he, he confronted the world around him, there was this joy about Jesus that was winsome, that was magnanimous, it was big. And people were attracted to the joy of Jesus. Jesus says this about why he came in John 10.10. 10. You know this verse. You know this verse. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I, Jesus, have come that you may have life and have it to the full. To have a full life, a, a Zoe life, a, a life that is, is eternal, that continues on, and a life that is meant to be a part of the things that God wants you to have, a life that you can enjoy. In Nehemiah 8.10, when, when they're addressing the crowd, he says this, do not grieve for the joy of the Lord is your strength. When, when, we find, when we find things that are difficult, when the world is, seems to be in shambles, do not grieve because the joy of the Lord is our strength. When's the last time that you found God's joy sustaining you? Not just his presence, not just his strength, but his joy, his joy. When's the last time you just in, sat down and said, you know what, there's a lot going on, but there are some things to enjoy. I can enjoy that God is on the throne. I can enjoy that God is in control. I can enjoy the things that God has given me. And I don't have to over-spiritualize it. I could just say, I've enjoyed my life. I enjoy the breeze. I enjoy small things. But it's the joy, ultimately, of the Lord and his purposes that can, can just be there for us to enjoy. I want to encourage you in your day this week, maybe when you break for lunch, just to stop and think about what are the things that gives you joy? What are the things that God maybe is delighting in you as you enjoy the world that he's given you to live in? Hebrews 12, 2 says this, that we fix our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For what? For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning the shame, and sat down at the right hand at the throne of God. Joy is a big deal to God. And during our day, do we, do we experience joy? When other people see you in your daily life and they know that you follow Jesus, do they see joy being a big piece of that? Take some time to enjoy the Lord, not just to work things out with God, but just to delight in him, to enjoy him. Um, so let's encourage, I want to encourage that. And the next thing here is fruit. Um, I love this one. It's the fruit of a changed life. 
Galatians 5, uh, 5.22 through 23 says this, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faith, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And against such things, there is no law. Sometimes just reflecting on the changed life that God has given us is a great thing to get us through the day. And to speak more about that is our student, Haven Rush. Come on up. Um, hello, uh, my name is Haven. I'm 17 years old. I'm going to be a senior at Oaklawn Community High School. And uh, Mike gave me the awesome opportunity to kind of elaborate on packing some fruit in your lunchbox. So today I'm going to be talking about three fruits. We have love and joy and peace. So I'm excited to talk about that with all of you. So first we have love. And so we hear all the time to love everyone, love our enemies, love those who are different from us, love people in your school, in your workplace. Um, and it's God's second commandment. He says, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And that's a really important message. It's, it's so important and it's crucial. But sometimes I think we neglect to, pl- to apply it to our love within the church. And I kind of want to touch on that today. So love within our relationships between our brothers and sisters in Christ, or coworkers in Christ, as we are deemed in 1 Corinthians. We are called to pray for and love our enemies, but what if your enemy is seated three rows ahead of you? We forget that we're all on the same team, and sometimes I see a lack of love and a lack of unity. So today we're going to take a look at John 17, this is such a beautiful passage that I found. It's, it's basically like a love note, how I see it. Um, for some context, this was Jesus' last few words to his disciples. It was a prayer before he went to the Garden of Gethsemane. And so what was his prayer? So right before his betrayal and suffering, did he pray that we would be blessed beyond measure with, with wealth and health and prosperity? Did he ask his Father to give us every selfish thing we could want or desire? No. What Jesus prayed for, what was his final and greatest request to his Father on our behalf, was for our unity. It's kind of humbling, isn't it? He prayed that we would all be one in him. John 17, 21 says, May they all be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you. May they, believers, also be one in us, so the world may believe that you sent me. So the unity of believers through love and grace and the unity of the church worldwide through love and grace is make or break. Um, We as a people of God must remember that when there's ungodly disunity in the church, it's really difficult for the world to see that we love Jesus and that God loves us. Jesus prayed that the world would know that we know him by our love for each other and by our unity with one another in the gospel. That is his design. And throughout John 17, it's repeatedly shown that there is continuity between the Father and the Son. So in a similar way, there should be continuity and harmony amongst the people of God. And I just want to note that unity is not unanimity. Um, Jesus did not mean that his disciples will always agree on everything and they're not going to get along all of the time. But it pertains to the patient pursuit of harmony among his people for the good of the church, for the glory of God, and for the salvations of sinners. So the patient pursuit of harmony. So a crucial fruit that we must bear on Sundays, during small groups, during Rev, is love. We must pack it in our lunchbox and share it with the people at our table. Um, Just invest in the relationships in this room. We don't have time to bicker about little things. We are his bride. We are all fighting the same battle. Um, And we are one with him. He prayed, Holy Father, protect them by your name that you have given me, so they may be one as we are one. And so in Jesus' prayer for us, he also talks about joy. In in verse 13, he says, But now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. Something that we can rejoice in is the fact that joy is dependent on who Jesus is rather than on who we are or what's going on around us. Our joy comes from the fact that we know the living God, that our sins are forgiven, that we will live with God for eternity, and that nothing can ever separate us um, from the incredible love of God. Nothing can take these things from us. And joy is constant because the battle is already won, and we know that when he returns to defeat Satan, it won't be a close battle, but a crushing and absolute defeat. And so a huge part of my family is attitude. 
God loves a cheerful giver is a saying that will never be erased from my brain. We say it all the time. And I'm really grateful because our attitude about life is what sets us apart. Our joy in Christ is what sets us apart. Have you ever had someone ask you, why are you so happy all the time? I've had a lot of people ask me that. And what a privilege it is to be able to point to the cross and say, that's why. That's why I'm so happy. Um, it's a beautiful thing. So just carry the truth about who he is with you and see how it impacts the people around you. The world is in desperate need of joy, and God is the fountain of living water, as Mike was saying. Um, we just need to show people the way. And no soul that seriously and constantly desires biblical joy will ever miss it. Those who seek, find. To those who knock, it is opened. Rejoy restore our joy, Father. And this leads into the final fruit that we need to pack, which is peace. And I know everyone's ears will perk up because we're all waiting for the secret formula that will give this to us. It's what we all strive for. And honestly, peace is really hard for me. I haven't fully mastered how to find it, but I can share what I know. Because especially as a teenager, Satan has redefined how to attain peace, and he has deformed what peace is. And I think all of us at some point have been sold counterfeits and, and cheap imitations. We've been told, if you find your identity, you'll have peace. If you find your sexuality, you'll have peace. If you're the right weight or the right body type, you'll have peace. So things that feel like the real thing, things that give us the emotional or neurological payoff, but with a shortcut. And my personal worst habit is that instead of confronting conflict or confronting conviction, I drown out the noise with whatever I can find. So I'll pack my schedule, I'll always have music playing or a movie on, I'll grab a snack, I'll nap the day away. I, I hate the quiet and I hate the still, so I accept the substitute versions of peace and I'm weak and I hide. But what pulls me out of my overwhelmed moments is remembering that he is fighting on my behalf. In verse 15 it says, I'm not praying that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. And I was, and as, oh, sorry, and as I was reading John 17 right above, um, in chapter 16, verse 33, it says, I've said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Once again, the battle is already won. In this verse, it says we will have tribulation. We will struggle. But you can have peace while you're struggling because you're struggling with the creator of the universe on your side. People think that a long-standing, ongoing struggle against a particular temptation means that you're somehow failing. You're not. You're not failing. The struggle means that God is still working in you. Before his crucifixion, we know that Jesus himself struggled with what he knew God wanted him to do. Paul would struggle and fail and struggle again, and we need to be doing the same thing. We may become discouraged, but we keep going. Why? Because the ongoing effort honors a God who loves us. Setbacks are not permanent, nor do they define us. So don't shy away from struggle. Don't take the path of least resistance, and don't let struggle steal your peace. I just wanted to share one tip that has helped me find peace, and it's in my prayer life. Um, I find that when I'm not making my thoughts a dialogue with him, I'm really anxious and worried. So when you're praying and you inevitably get distracted about what's it, whatever's going on tomorrow, that interview, or whatever you're stressed out about, um, the second it pops into your mind and interrupts you, pray about it right then. Lift it up to him right then, and it really makes a difference, and that's something that's really changed around my prayer life. So there are the three fruits I think we need to pack with us as we walk into our hallways and workplaces and into this building. And these fruits won't magically appear in your lunchbox, but work with God to get them packed. Focus on one at a time or ask him which fruits you need to start growing. Love, joy, and peace. They sound so simple, but only he can provide them for us. And if you're ever feeling down, come back to John 17 and see how much he cares for you and the prayer he left it up for you far before you walked this earth. Thank you. God has given us a lot through our day. We have the word of God. We've got uh, the refreshing water of Christ. We have got uh, the power of the Holy Spirit. We've got a life to enjoy. We've got the fruit of the Spirit, a life changed. And uh, the next thing we want to talk about is this, is that we have something to share. 
God has given every one of us something to share, and that's the purpose of God, stepping into the things that he has for us. Something that actually gets us to grow and actually discover God is by saying yes to things that he wants us to do in obedience, especially as we share with other people. Um, walking, with, walking with him and waking up in purpose, um, waking up with purpose, um, you have a role to play in the life of somebody else today. That starts today, that might happen in the atrium, that might happen with the people you're with. It's gonna happen all week long. And as you step in and say, yes, God, I've got something to share with someone else, God actually uses it to nourish us and help us grow. Um, I'm gonna Jackson to come up to the stage here. You got your microphone, right? Good. Um, Jackson's gonna come up. And um, one thing that Jackson's been a part of is uh, through uh, sharing his faith at his school through outreach. You can come over this way. Um, and I, I invited him to share a little bit about what you learned and how you grew in the aspect of stepping into having something to share. You can put yourself there for that. All right. What's up, guys? I'm Jackson. Um, I am a student at Richards. I'm going to be a junior. Um, my last year was a sophomore. And... Um, I'm the leader of the Bible Club at our school. So I wanted to um, come and talk to you today a little bit about um, how God has worked through me personally and my faith and how God has um, worked in my school. Um, so the Bible Club. So it first started um, on the end of my freshman year. Um, I got asked to start it by our sponsor, um, Commander Grotus, who's a former commander in the Navy and is now our teacher at um, Richards. And um, he's a really strong Christian and believer and he's um, really cool. So he asked me to first do it um, at the end of my freshman year. Um, I didn't really think much of it. Um, it was definitely a question that would take me out of my comfort zone because um, sharing the gospel in high school, it's not easy. Um, but so I kind of avoided it. Um, even throughout the summer, I kind of avoided it. And then it came back again and he asked me again in my sophomore year. Um, so I was like, okay, I think this is something that the Lord really wants me to do. So um, it didn't start all the way till September, so early sophomore year. And that's when the Bible Club first started. We started, we got one person to come. Her name was Abby. She was really cool, and she um, came a lot, and then eventually grew to nine people. Um, and I know that wasn't a ton, but it was a ton to me because one of those nine people got saved, and, and his name was Muhammad. So Muhammad was, uh, is a Muslim, was a former Muslim. Um, his uh, family was not very, like, a very devoted or devoted Muslim background, but um, he still definitely practiced um, Muslim beliefs. And he one day came to one of our meetings that we had. We had pizza and everything for them. Um, and I remember he definitely only came for the pizza, um, but we um, made him eat the pizza after. So we didn't let anyone eat the pizza until after the message or else no one would have been there. <laughs> so, um, so that was cool. So I remember him taking out like his iPad and his homework um, and his earbuds and just like totally engaged in his homework, like not even focused at all. And I was like, okay, you know, that's expected. Um, but I just remember praying. I was like, Lord, it was just a small prayer in my head. I was just like, Lord, can you allow him to just focus? And I kid you not, within two minutes, he was focused, like 100% engaged, involved in the lesson, which was really cool. So long story short, um, a few weeks later, he came to know the Lord. And now every single day, he's posting Bible verses. He's posting um, prayers. Like he's read through six books, I would say, within a month, maybe seven. He's just on fire for the Lord, which is really cool to see. Um, so eventually, we got to do an outreach as well in our school. An outreach is just basically an evangelistic event that happens on campus. Um, and um, I have some stats for kind of what happened for the outreach. Uh, more for some background. Uh, that's actually, well, is there a picture? I don't know. It might come up in a second. But um, for the outreach, we had a former NFL player, um, Ray McElroy, come up. He was a cornerback for the Bears. And um, that was really cool to meet him. Um, and we had Chick-fil-A for everyone. So... Yeah, there it is. So we had, for each lunch period is when he came, and then he stayed for after school. So for third period, we had about 44 kids. Um, fourth period, we had about 66 kids that came. Um, fifth period was a big period. I think that was this. We had 98 kids um, that all came in that tiny room. <laughs> and then sixth period, we had 38 kids. Um, and just at the third period, like the, the very first lunch period, if that was all I got, you know, I was thankful. Because it was 44 kids, and I was like, geez, like this is crazy. And it just kept getting bigger. Um, so it was definitely cool to see the Lord work. Um, so overall, throughout the day, we had about 260 kids that came and that heard the word of God. Um, so it was really cool, and it was really, um, it was actually a lot of fun as well. Very nerve-wracking, but it was also a lot of fun. So, and we also gave well over 250 Bibles um, from promotions previous to the event and after. So that was cool. 
So a challenge that I want to leave everyone with um, is in Acts 20, verse 24. Um, and that says, however I consider my life, however I consider my life worth nothing to me, my only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given to me. The task of testifying to the good, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. And I love that verse because it kind of reminds me like when you take that first step, God blesses the race. You know, when you take that first step in being obedient and following the word and just obeying God, he really blesses the rest of all that you do. Um, and he completes the task that was given to you. Um, and it was hard. I had, to, I had to walk through a lot of fear, months of it actually. I mean, we planned it in January and didn't really do the outreach till April um, or March. And I was just like stressing and I was worried about what other people would think. Um, and it was very hard. Um, so I, I had to get through a lot of that. I had to heavily rely on Jesus' comfort and his promises because something I learned is when you rely on your comfort, when you rely on your ability, and when you rely on worldly things to bring you peace, you know, it, it always falls short and it never helps and it never does anything. So um, something I had to learn was to just heavily rely on Jesus. And then I think the last thing I learned is that God will bless all of your work and your obedience. Kind of just like how I said, if you take that first step, he will bless the rest and he will bless everything else that you do until then. Um, Isaiah 55 verse 11 says, it is the same with my word. I send it out and it always produces fruit. It will accomplish all I want it to and it will prosper everywhere I send it. And I love that verse because you can know that all of the work that you're putting into share the gospel, all the work that you're putting into share the gospel to your neighbor, share the gospel to your friend, your family member, um, it doesn't go without vain, you know, and God sees it and he will honor it and he will bless it and he will do um, big things with it. Uh, so yeah, I think, that's, I think that's about it. Thanks guys. Okay. Oh, there we are. I turned myself off. Uh, so encouraged by, by your faith and, and everything that you did there, Jackson. It was super incredible. All that time leading up and the, the amount of times that he'd ask for prayer and ask for Bible verses and all this stuff is just so encouraging to see a person. And so uh, to step into those things, it, it, there's anxiety. There's fear when there's something we have to share. But in the other side of that is growth and fulfillment and a way that God sustains us in ways that we never thought possible. We get to discover how God, big our God is when we step out and share in our biggest fears. And so I want to encourage you this week to know that you have something to share. You have some testimony that God has given you, some, some moment where he's intersected with your life, some place where you've been encouraged. It may be just as simple as you showed up to church and you were encouraged by the message. Sharing that with somebody else can go a long way in showing someone else how real and how amazing God is, and it affirms the faith that you have. Have you unpacked that in your lunch today? Do you have something to share? And in closing today, um, we have a love note. Um, on, on this note, there's a square root of 16. I don't know if you could see that on there or not. Um, one of the things that we say, say to our son is um, same thing often, but we end our letters to our kids with square root of 16. It's something my dad started. We're all kind of math nerds. Okay, I'm not a math nerd. Everyone else is math nerds. But it's, it's a four, which is I love you lots. And so every time we see square root of 16, we always know we're saying I love you lots. Packed in your day is the same love of the Father that God has for Jesus. And all of this, all these things that we could do, if we did none of it, we could know that the very baseline of our day starts with the same love, the same perfect love that God had for his son Jesus. I'm an imperfect parent. I own parent perfectly, but I love my kid ferociously. And I can't imagine how much more so the perfect love of a father is for his love for Jesus. And Jesus tells us this, he says, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. When's the last time in the middle of your day that you stopped and said, you know what, God, right now, I'm loved. If I did nothing else in this moment, if I tried nothing new, if I didn't do any of the things and ate nothing else in this meal, God, I could start with a baseline that I am loved. One of the notes that we say to our kids is this, is we ask them, is that we say, who loves you? How much, how long, and why? Who loves you? Dad does. How much? So much. How long? Forever and ever, and why? Because you're mine. 
We say this over and over and over to our kids. And so sometimes if we're in a hurry, we'll just write those phrases down. Who, how much, how long, why, square to 16, dad. But they know exactly what it means. The truest thing about you today is this love letter that God has for you. The perfect love for Jesus, perfectly given to you. The truest things that are said about you is what God says about you. Hear this. God isn't waiting for a future version of you to love you. God isn't waiting for a future version of you to use you. God isn't waiting for a different version of yourself to bless you. He wants to do it right here, right where you're at. You are not what you did. You're not who others say you are. You are not even who you say you are. You're who God says you are. It's the truest thing you could say. And that means right now, with the perfect love of the Father, in Christ, you are a child of God. In Christ, you are an ambassador of Christ to others. In Christ, you are the light of Jesus to others. In Christ, you are called out, set apart, chosen by who? The King of Kings. You are an overcomer by the blood of the Lamb. You are a forgiven. You are set free without condemnation. You can do all things through Christ. You have the righteousness of Jesus right now. And that's how God sees you. So when all this is done, when all this is said and done, our baseline, this lunch that God has given us was packed with the love of the Father. God wants you to have this because he loves you. Not because he just wants you to be a better version of yourself. Not just because he wants you to express more things or do more things or add more to your to-do list. But he wants you to experience it because he loves you. And that becomes our driving motivation to take all these things that he's given us. Lord, I, I, sometimes I need your refreshing. Sometimes I, I need your word of God in my life. And I can consume those because I feel like I need to get them through the day. But sometimes I forget that behind all of it was just the love of a father who says, you're not alone in this. I'm giving you what you need because I love you. But here's the thing. For this to work, we actually have to eat it. Seems simple enough. But... I remember one time when, when uh, Thomas was little, um, we lost his lunch bag at school, and so we had to start packing lunches for him. Uh, I think he was like in maybe kindergarten or first grade. This is a long time ago. But every day we're sending him to school. We pack lunch, and we're kind of in a hurry, so we'd stuff it in his backpack, and we'd go back. And, you know, he'd come home and stuff, and we'd find, we, we started knowing the smell in the house. Like, where is that coming from? I can't quite pin where it is. And so we're like, eventually, we're like, you know, Sniff checking. That was kind of weird with a piano behind me. <laughs> Very romantic sniffing. But anyways, so it's uh, sniffing behind me, and I'm looking, and, and all of a sudden, we, we, it, our noises lead us to these lunches that were, were in his bag. And all these things that we had packed, like, we're like, buddy, like, what's going on? He's like, well, I get distracted. And we thought, he was crazy, but it turned out, like, all our kids did the same thing. And so, like, like they go to school sometimes, like, did you eat your lunch? Oh, some of it. What happened? Well, I got distracted. I was talking with my friends, or I was really busy, or I had something else to do. But did you eat your lunch? No. Are you hungry? Yeah. And like, and I don't know, anyone get hangry? Does anyone get hangry during the day? You don't get enough food? I get hangry. I mean, I get hangry like all the time. And so, um, but yeah, so like I, I need food to like feel okay. And like, and so like that happens, it affects us. And so in a real way, like he was getting hungry, it was affecting his mood, it was affecting all of us. And for all of us, for us here today, if we, if, we don't, if we don't consume the things that God's given us, if we get distracted with our day, we don't take the stuff, we can have all this, but if we don't do anything with it, it just sits in our lunch, then we get hangry. We start, we start lashing out. We start operating out of our flesh. We start living out of things that cause frustration. And the faith that we know we have isn't the faith that we're living and experiencing because we aren't taking and partaking of the things that God has given us to use and operate every day. Just because you have the lunch packed for you by God doesn't mean that you're, you're eating it and you're consuming it. This week, as you, as you eat your lunch, make it a simple reminder of the things that God has had you. Just make that visual of like, I'm eating my lunch. All right, what are the things that God has given me? And work yourself through it. It takes discipline. It takes remembering. It takes calling it to our mind. But as we do, we benefit and it fills us up and we grow. Some questions I want to leave you with today is this. Are you finding yourself filled on God's meal? Or are you distracted and maybe filling yourself up with other things? You know, that was another thing that would happen sometimes. You didn't eat your lunch. Well, you know, I got some food from my friends. Oh, cool, that was someone else's lunch packed for them. But I'm glad you ate them, but why didn't you eat the lunch that we prepared? Sometimes we can do that. There's, there's a lunch and a meal that the world's consuming at a frenzied pace. 
And that's for the world. That's great. But we can start consuming it and we can get kind of filled up on it too, can't we? When we're distracted, you know, it's like, I know I should be eating my lunch, I know I should be focusing on this, but I'm kind of scrolling through the gram and I'm like, oh, look at that, and there's a million reels, and before we know it, time's gone by and lunch is up. Well, I'm gonna move on with my day. And all of the while, this sits still. Are you filling up on the word of God? Or are you filling up on quotes and snacks and arguments of the day, diving into the political gossip? And is that fueling your day? What is something this week that you need to start saying, stop saying can't to, that because of this meal, you can start saying can't to? I'll ask that again. What is something that you need to stop saying can't to and start saying can do because God has given you what you need to start working on it? Maybe share that with somebody. What is something that you're meant to share this week? That maybe you've, you've packed it in your lunch, God has given you that little extra snack and you know it's good and you know it's something else that someone else might be interested in trying and, and all you need to do is say, do you want some? I got some extra chips. I mean, it's not hard in a lunch context, but in a real, in a real way, we kind of just offer someone else like, hey, can I offer you some encouragement? Can I offer you, some, can I offer you a coffee? Can I, can I plan it in my day? If, 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 can, I, can I start to look for opportunities to start sharing who I am with somebody else, to be generous with them, to be hospitable, to the, hospitable with them, to start a conversation and even ask them, hey, what do you think about God? This is what I think and this is what I'm learning right now. Can I share that with you? And as we do these things, will we discover the love of the Father through it all? Talk about it this week with your family. Talk about it in the atrium. Talk about it in your small group, but let's grow in this. What part of this meal do you find the easiest to consume in your day? What parts do you neglect? Because church is never meant to be an event that we come here and then just leave. It's meant to be a, a dynamic relationship with one another and with God and his word as we leave. You are the called out being set apart to do the things of God. And God has given us what we need to do it right here. Will we enjoy the meal that he's given us this week? Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you for the word of God that is the main course of our meal. God, thank you for your refreshing living water. Jesus, thank you that you came for us to have life and have it to the full. Jesus, thank you that you give us your Holy Spirit in the places that we can't do it, Lord. When we fall at our, at our ends, Lord, that you meet us where we need to be met. Jesus, thank you so much that in, in the, the struggles and the trials and even the places that we feel like we can't get through, your Holy Spirit leads us to that place where we can look back on it and say, you carried us through it all. Jesus, thank you that you give us something to share. And some of that starts with just the fruit of a changed life. God, will we leave this church being bold, being encouraged, and will we not neglect to partake of the meal that you've given us this week? Lord, thank you for our students that have graduated. Thank you for the students that have helped lead us here. And Lord, I also just pray that and we pray together as a church that you continue to bless them and charge them with this same, same truth. That as they go into the world that they're going into, Lord, that they have all that they need to live the life that you're calling them to in Jesus. And all God's people said, amen.